lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 138 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, April the 30th, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank last week's guests, Ryan, Amin, and Karn from Liquid Marketplace for joining the show. Had a great episode with them, learned a lot about what they are up to over at the Liquid Marketplace. Later tonight on After Hours, I will be coming back on live myself, open mic, some Q&A, going to show you some cards I've submitted to the PWCC vault for an upcoming weekly auction, going to open up a box of Series 1 Upper Deck Hockey, and just have a nice relaxing late night chat, so join us for that. Tomorrow night on Collectible Live, my guest is Leighton Sheldon of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. We go live on the Collectible TV YouTube channel tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Eastern. Shout out to channel supporter Whatnot. Check out their app for group breaks, one-minute auctions, buy it now. It's hosted around the clock by some of the best breakers in the hobby. Also want to shout out sponsor Center Stage app. Download the app for in-store, for download the app for quick comps, whether you are pricing your cards as a vendor or walking the floor at a card show to get comps on your cards. The app is continuously improving. Join me in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they endeavor to make the hobby better than it already is. Sport Card Expo in Toronto, June 2nd to 5th. I'll be there. Check that out, sportcardexpo.com. And shout out to the hobby's middleman service, TradeSafe, your risk-free alternative for trades and buy-sells on any peer-to-peer marketplace or platform. We've created a service, a process, and a team that makes remote dealing much safer than ever before. Check it out at tradesafehub.com. I want to thank all you subscribers, viewers, podcast listeners. If you are not yet subscribed to the channel, please take a moment and do so. And as always tonight, your comments and your questions are in play. I got an intro for this guy, guys. I told him just before, I said, this is the longest intro I've ever written. So give me a moment. I got to fold my page and make sure I don't miss any of this. Here we go. Let's bring him out. Our next guest tonight, who started collecting as a kid when his dad would take him and his older brother to card shows and flea markets, but he was too cool for the hobby in high school, later sold his childhood collection to buy an engagement ring for his now wife. He started dabbling the hobby again in 2011, and in 2016, he started assisting a group breaker until going off on his own in 2018 under the banner Geo Breaks. In August of 2020, he started his podcast, Sports Cards Nonsense, with his partner Jesse, and in January of 2021, they were picked up by the Ringer Network. He has now upped his entrepreneurial activity in the hobbies. He launches the Card Shop Live this May the 5th. His favorite teams are the Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, and Buccaneers. And his favorite athletes are Tom Brady, Ken Griffey Jr., and Larry Bird, originally from Boston, Massachusetts, currently hailing from Nashville, Tennessee. Let's bring him out, Mike Giuseppe. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight? I thought you were just going to say short angry boston that was going to be the intro i was really excited for to be let down that professional though i'll give you that that would have uh that would have been on point too though right it wouldn't it would not have missed it i've been told two things i've i've took notes as well no interrupting and i'm not supposed to read the chat i'm gonna i'm telling you right now i have never been more dedicated and more 
devout in my I'm a rules for I'm a rule follower tonight. I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, it's uh Mike, I got to say it it's good to have you, man. I mean, we we met each other at the Mint Collective back in March. Prior to that, we had interacted on Clubhouse here and there, but we didn't know each other uh that well at all. But uh it was good to meet you at the Mint Collective and we were hanging out at the at the Card Ladder Trade Safe booth with uh with the group of us. We had a really good time. Uh we we sat on a panel together which was which was really uh very interesting and um I thought we provided our own unique perspectives on content in the hobby and maybe balanced it out a little bit. So that was pretty cool. But man, I got to say, it, it, it's good to have you. Is this your first time being interviewed versus being the interviewer? Uh, I think it's my first time like with a live audience. I mean, I do a lot of podcasts and like appearances and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I, first time with like a live audience, I, I'm pretty sure. Right on. Okay, well, good. So here we go. And yes, keep you can keep your eyes on the comments a little bit if you want, but don't get too distracted. We've got some we got some stuff on the agenda to talk about. I'll be watching the comments as best as I can. There's Richard. He's so hyped for this one. Good to know. I'm going to go through a few right now. I see a couple guys were battling for first. Richard, Julian Birds on the back. Good evening, fellas. Thanks for joining us. Thank birds you for joining the, us. Birds on the bat. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh, that's the St. Louis Cardinals. That's, oh, okay. uh, I that's got Julian. You. Jeff McMahon, good evening to you. Jordan, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Johnny F says, two of the best in the biz night. Looking forward to Sports Cards Nonsense Live. There you go, Mike. First, first time going live on Sports Well, Sports Cards Nonsense on Sports Cards Live, but we'll get her done. We'll get her done. Uh, Chrissy, I have not seen any Bowman yet. What's up, Brian Adams? Good to see you here. Slab Strong in the house. Tim, good to see you. I wish Mike would read me a bedtime story. Jeff Hart, good to see you. Thank you, Chris. And Peru's channel, Mike is a beast. Love him. He is Batman. Jesse is Robin. Hey, that's not a, not not horrible, right? Not horrible. And Eric Stefano, what is up with you, everybody? Welcome to the show tonight. It's good to have you, Mike. I mean, you're busy right now, Mike. You are launching your new business on on the apps coming up here, May the fifth, the Card Shop Live. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, in a little bit, but we're going to get a bit into your history and stuff first, but let's look at what Chris Hoge has to say in the comments. He says, don't worry, Mike, Jeremy will read the comments either way. There you go. Hello, good sirs. <laughs> Chris, thanks for being here, buddy. So let's get into uh, your hobby history a little bit, Mike. Like, you know, you've got your, you've got your podcast very well listened to. You've got a huge Facebook group, tens of thousands of members. Uh, but I don't know how much people know about you before you kind of became Mike Geo of Sports Cards Nonsense. So why don't you back us up a little bit? Let's spend just a couple minutes on your hobby history. Really, what are some of your earliest memories of sports cards and like the feelings that they drum up for you? Yeah, like you mentioned, I was like almost everybody who's back in the hobby now, just like a kid ripping packs. I had a couple local card shops I went to with my dad. Uh, there was a big flea market around us that had a guy with... I mean, just tables and tables of wax that I was that I was always go to with my, the old man every other weekend and rip product there. Um, somebody brought up the other day, like first memorabilia card that got me thinking. 1998, I pulled a game used base card of Michael Barrett, some stiff catcher for the Expos. So, yeah, chasing the upper deck Griffey rookie forever. Me and my brother, um, it used to it used to book in the Beckett at 40 bucks. So we knew like we're never going to be able to afford it. Uh, that was like the first card, though. We knew like, man, wish we had a little bit of cash. We could buy it. But yeah, like everybody else, just kind of grew up messing around with cards, collected Red Sox card because that was the, uh, you know, that's that's religion in Boston. So, um, and then just kind of grew with it as I as I got a little bit older. 
So you're you're pretty much a lifer then. Hey, it, it's uh, cards have been in your life from the beginning. Obviously, growing up where you did, lots of lots of great teams, lots of great options there. Talk a bit about what I mentioned in the intro, where you actually sold your childhood collection to fund the purchase of your wife's engagement ring. Now, I mean, you could say the story ends there, but what was that like for you? Like, was it was it an easy decision? And looking back now, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this. It's gonna sound funny, but any regrets? Not in putting the ring on your wife's finger. Not in spending the money on the ring, but in 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 funding it through the cards versus something else. You know, not really. So I got out of cards, like you said, for high school. So it, to me, it was like, and I got engaged when I was twenty-one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So by the time they had been sitting in a box, like game used cards worth a dollar, there was some numbered refractors, different stuff like that. It was six hundred bucks worth of stuff, and I bought my wife's engagement ring. A friend of hers was engaged, and then got the the uh, marriage got called off. So I bought the engagement ring secondhand. It was $600. That's how much I sold like four, two row boxes of top loaded hits, inserts, whatever. I dumped them all for the 600 bucks to pay for that ring. But no, like at the time, and I didn't get back into cards for the first few years of the marriage. So there was no regrets for me there. And even now I don't, it's nothing. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you a specific card that was in the collection at the time, honestly. Maybe just a grippy. Yeah, you know, at that point, there probably had to have been one because by high school, I would have had 20 or 30 bucks, I hope. So you ended up getting into breaking and you started off as an assistant for somebody and you pretty quickly went off on your own. Talk a bit about how that transition happened and was it was it awkward breaking up with the person you were working with, going off on your own, you end up selling that business. Take us through that whole that whole process and uh, and and how everything sort of transpired for you, because it really did lead you to where you are today. I, I have to think that without any of those, w- without being a breaker's assistant, without going off on your own and being a breaker yourself, without selling your breaking business, you may not be about to launch a business here next week. So talk about all that. Yeah. So it started, I was doing construction out here in Nashville, painting, drywall, uh, general stuff like that. Um, I, I either bought or sold a card on eBay. I don't remember which. <clears throat> I'm going to cough and clear my throat all night. It's going to be awesome. Um, I, I either went to the guy's house to give him the money or the card because I the purchase went through eBay, and I looked, and I was like, this dude literally lives maybe a mile and a half from me. Same town and everything. And I was like, I'm just showing up to his house. So I did, and like we got to talking. I made a couple more deals like that in person. Then one day he kind of like invited me in because breaking. This was 2016, end of 2015. He was breaking. I had never really even heard of breaking. I wasn't on any social media at all. I hated social media more than I do now. Um, he brings me in the house. He shows me all these cases. He was working for a guy at the time, just breaking for him. Um, and I, we just kind of stayed in touch. And I guess like six months later or so, 2016, tw- late 2016, probably, he was kind of looking to break off and do his own thing. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, I, I've got some money. I'm looking to get a little extra money. Um, little extra investment. So we, we both put in a few thousand bucks because he showed me, I mean, it was, it was a legitimate business. Like, here's what I'm buying for. Here's my profit. You know, here's the tax I have to pay. Just the whole breakdown. And I thought, you know, it actually makes, on paper, it looks like it makes good financial sense. The hobby was, you know, a different world in 2016, but um, that was it. It was like, hey, can you throw a couple bucks at this? Can you help me sort cards? Um, help me ship, help me check payments, all that kind of stuff. No on-camera work at all. Um, and that's what I did for about a year. And then I, I slowly started taking time off of work of, off construction. I dedicate a day a week, then two days a week. And then it got to the point where it was like, Hey, this thing's going to go. 
I had to come up with like 5,000 bucks, which I had to borrow from my father-in-law. I didn't have I, no chance. I had 5,000 bucks at the time. And that was when we made our first massive order on our own. Um, his name was Bruce Breaks, by the way, Mike, he's still around. He's, he does a ton of Pokemon and stuff like that now. Um, and we walked into Southern hobby, bought like 75 to 80 cases of Bowman, 2017 Bowman, 2017 Bowman comes out. You know, you order that stuff in December, January, back then you could walk into a distributor and just get product. It wasn't like now. And so we did, we, he put up everything. He sold a ton of his collection. I borrowed money. I took out a cash advance on my credit card, just at, Every bad decision you can make financially, because I thought, you know, I think this is going to be something. A couple months in, pretty much after that product, I quit my job. And it was, that was it. And I started doing some on-camera work. Like, hey, the, the group was growing on Facebook. I'll start breaking a little bit too. And then we were shipping off, you know, 600 to 1,000 packages a week. I was like, it's time for me to just be done with the construction thing. So, uh, yeah, we worked together for like a year and a half, two years. And then we kind of just outgrew each other. I mean... To say there were no hard feelings, I'm sure there were. We're friends today, but I just thought, hey, I'm doing this, and I want to go in my own direction and do my thing, and he wanted to do his thing. So um, we split, and I started basically in 2018 with Top Series 1 and then with 2018 Bowman. And you came out of the gate then as under the banner of Geo Breaks? Yep. And so how long did you run Geo Breaks as your own entity until you actually sold it? And let's talk about why you sold it, how that deal went down. Are they still around? Yep. All that. Yeah, two and a half years. I mean, basically started in January of 2018. I sold it in August of 2020. Um, I had good allocation at the time, which was great because, again, we had a huge spend from 2017. So we had a ton of product. It was more of a matter of just showing people, hey, I'm now an actual breaker full time, not just working for somebody. Um, you know, the Facebook ads, you know, you buy stuff like that. Word of mouth started spreading. Um we kind of all, even when we were together, because because Brew that was his name, Bruce Breaks. He had the same philosophy as me. Like, there's a million breakers, and everybody can get product. So we can be more entertaining when we break. We can be more transparent with pricing. We would always do that. I and mean, that was one of our biggest things. You tell me, name the product, and I'll tell you the cost. Never had any problem with that. Hey, Prism's twelve hundred dollars. We're selling a case. We're selling for four thousand dollars a box because that's a going rate. I just honestly was my big thing there. Like, I don't care. We're just going to tell people. We want to be really upfront. You know, we weren't going to be screaming about $5 hits <laughs> and acting foolish on camera like some of these donkeys today. We just like, this, this is going to be a break room that I would want to be a part of. Ship things quickly. Respond to messages, even when they're from stupid people. Customers have dumb questions. The customer is not always right. A lot of times they're totally out of their minds. Take the time to respond. And that was really what we built the business around, Brews Breaks, and that's what I really formed Geo Breaks around. Um, it, it was a grind, though. I mean, like the two and a half years was insane, it, especially as we started really growing. It was getting to the point, you know, we'd fill Bowman cases in 30 seconds, and then we'd have to turn off commenting. Um, we'd do 10 or 15 cases a day on, on release days for good product. Um, for a one-man show, and I, would, I had two guys part-time helping me sort and ship, it was it was a brutal grind. On camera stuff is great. Breaking product is fun. That's like two percent of the work. Everything else is worrying about how can I pay for a half million dollar order, and how can I get you know nine hundred packages shipped out in the next two days, and how can I respond to eighty seven messages. Uh, so it was just a lot of work. So you end up selling the company. How, why and uh, how'd you do on the sale? Were you, are you happy with how that went? And are, were you were you sort of 
I mean, what you just explained as far as the work of a breaker in terms of all the shipping and the labels and responding to the email, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun being the back end part, the on camera stuff, you're breaking product. I mean, that's gotta be fun, but are you happy to be done breaking yourself? And, uh, and how did the sale go and uh, why did you sell? Yeah, hundred percent happy. I sold honestly, I still own 20% equity and I kind of fractioned it off. I had uh, three different accounts. Two of them went to the guy, Eddie Mancini, who runs geo breaks to this day. Uh, the other account uh, I sold off to my friend, Kyle, who still runs it. And I still get paid for that on a monthly basis. Um, Honestly, when COVID hit, uh, me and my wife had started talking. I had, at that point, probably $800,000 in product at the house. Because we always stayed stacked because it was like if stuff gets really pushed off, if we need to, you know, we try to really hold a lot of stuff back to let it grow in price. I, I still remember that week at like end of March, early April when Tennessee shut down. And we were one of the last states to do it. And I was like, you know, this is insane. The, the country is shutting down. People are not being able to work. Yeah, we're going to get a couple hundred bucks for a stimulus check, but like people are losing their jobs. I, I just got really nervous because at that point, even though we had had a few successful years of business, it was a ton of money. And I was like, if this thing goes belly up, we're like, we're done. And so despite what Carvin will tell you, I was the first person I knew of who said, because I, I went live to tell the group like, hey, I'm going to start shopping this thing around. I'm, I want to get out of it. I, I'd like to stay involved in the community, but I'm going to I'm going to look to move some stuff here and, and maybe even get out of the business. Eddie reached out to me almost immediately. Um, but when I did sell it, I went live with the group. I tried to be transparent with him. Like, Hey, this is why I'm getting out. And that was my reasoning. You know, I started seeing guys like fanatics come in and have prisms, prism basketball skews made exclusively for them. So it was like a twofold fear. COVID's going to shut down the whole world. And then if that happens, somebody with money is, I mean, this is what has always happened. When markets go bust, people with big money come in and buy them for pennies on the dollar. I was really worried somebody like Fanatics was going to, and that was the one I named specifically live. They're going to come in, they're going to buy everything up. And why would they need distribution? Why would they need me as a breaker to help? They don't. I don't want to get left holding the bag on this company that's worth, you know, seven figures right now. And then in six months, it's worth $100,000. In the last couple of years of my life of, you know, taking too much time away from my family to do this, it's like all for nothing. So yeah, I got out of it pretty quick, honestly. The sale went through almost immediately. Um, yeah, I made a bunch of money on it. It did really well. Um, and, and and the coolest thing is most people I had spoke to about the business, I told you can have the allocation, you can have the group, but I'm out. I'm not, I don't want my name attached to anything. Uh, Eddie was a customer of mine for years, had a good reputation. He's a good dude. So I told him, I, I will give you the Facebook group as well and stay involved. Um, and he was smart to his credit. He said, Hey, I'd rather keep you on. What if we negotiate the price down for 80%, you stay on for 20%. Um, but now he's doing probably five X what I ever did. He's got a whole team in place, a shop. He is absolutely killing it. And, and I'm happy to say, but that's what he is. He worked and built up his community. And so geo breaks lives on You're you're not involved, but you do retain some equity and uh, you're on to other things now. Simple that. All right, let's let's talk a bit about your podcast, Sports Cards Nonsense. How did it start, and how did you and Jesse, your partner in that, uh, join forces? Yeah, so I sold the company in, in August. Took a couple months off to goof around. We bought a bunch some rental properties and houses and things like that, and then I had nothing to do. I was like, man, I'm I'm retired at this point at thirty, uh, thirty four. I just started going out of my mind, um, and I and I would hear other content. Um, to your credit, I had never heard you, thankfully, because I had heard some other content, and it drove me nuts. 
Like I heard some of these idiots in the space who call themselves influencers or podcasters, whatever they were doing. And I was just like floored by how, how they had no knowledge of the hobby. They had no concern for the type of bull crap they were spewing out. It was just like, Hey, let's say flashy things and let's buy and sell and all this crap. And I was just like, I don't, I'm going to do whatever I want now. I'm going to talk about whoever I want. I had no affiliation with anybody and financially I was set. So it was perfect. I was like, this is, this is great. Like I can do whatever I want. So I started going live on Facebook and just ranting like a maniac and going nuts. And we started getting a couple thousand views a piece. And then I told Jesse, Jesse's been, uh, he's my wife's cousin. We've been, I mean, just about best friends for, I don't know, 10 years now. I said, Hey, you're a tech guy. Why don't you start producing the sound and we'll release it on Apple ourselves. Like we'll just do it a podcast by ourselves. Uh, he was off camera though, never on camera. He was just producing it. And we did, we started publishing it. We came a, a guy a, across a guy named Jeff Weiss. He's a, he helps influencers. He helps build social media followings. And his big push in 2020 was TikTok, which I'd never heard of, first of all. And then when I did look into it, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. But he's like, dude, just cut up clips and put them on TikTok. And Jesse did all of that work himself, which at the time took him a long time. And that's how we got discovered by Chris Vernon from the Grizzlies, who works for the Ringer. And that's how we the that's how that connection was made. So you get picked up by the Ringer. Now all of a sudden you maybe don't have all that freedom to talk about everyone that you wanted to. And I'm, I'm speculating there. I don't know for sure, but can you explain to the audience and any other content creator who's watching right now, what happens to a content content creator and their ability to express their own opinions when they get picked up by a, by an entity like the ringer? Yeah. I mean, honestly, for the most part, nothing changed except for the entire production team came with it. Like record, Hit, hit finish, and you're done. Like You don't have to do anything else. As far as the on-air content, I mean, they did tell us pretty straightforward. Like, hey, we're a, we're a sports-oriented network, and we're pretty positive. We're not looking for hit pieces and different things like that. Um, but it, it was also like but when there's news that happens, you know, you have to talk about it. So when there's a scammer in the, in the hobby or, or a big, you know, some sort of – I'm trying to think of a specific one. I can't off the top of my head, but – you know, there's been 10 stories in the past two years where a major player in this business has had accusations or has been shady. Well, when that happens, we're going to blast them. And honestly, we have never once got blowback for that. Um, occasionally, when we first started, I would make a comment, and I'm not political at all. I don't vote. I never would. I don't care about politics. I would make like an offhanded political joke just to be stupid. Um, they would cut stuff like that. But hey, you know, we don't want to get involved in politics. We're going to cut that 10 seconds. Other than that, and the Deshaun Watson thing, I did a whole thing with Deshaun uh, when it first the allegations first came out, and they said the same thing. We're kind of staying away from that. Okay. Outside of that, I don't think anything else has been cut from the podcast, and we haven't received any emails of, hey, don't, don't talk about this, stay away from that, whatever. Oh, so pretty good. Pretty good. You can just go about being uh, as free as you want with your thoughts and content, as because that's really what, when you said, you know, here you are basically retired at 32, going to start a podcast and talk whatever you want. And you're still able to do that on the pod. Yep. Yeah. And then like you saw the other day, I'll go live on Facebook when I want to lose my mind, you know, before, before I work, go to the gym, I get all worked up because of some stupid comment or person and I'll go absolutely nuts. And, uh, but I'll just do that on Facebook. It doesn't have to be associated with the ringer. Fair. All right. I, I like that. I like that. And yes, I did. I did watch your uh, most recent one a day or two ago from, uh, from the car. And we'll talk about a little bit later. We're going to get into some more sort of general hobby topics. I'm going to go to some comments 
right now. And then we're going to get back and we're going to talk about uh, the Card Shop Live, your new project that is launching on May the 5th. I'm going to start with this one right up here from Cracked Card Company says, figures my earlier comment question was deleted and ignored. Um, just want to say, you know, Sports Cards Live, we have we have guests, we have agendas. Uh, this is not an open sort of uh, miscellaneous topic discussion. I will be doing an episode after we're done with Mike here in about an hour's hour and a half's time uh, called After Hours. If anyone has any open-ended questions and comments that you want to, me to address, I'll be happy to do that later on tonight, but just not on Sports Cards Live where we have a guest. So uh, thanks for the comment. We can answer it later if you want to come back, Cracked Card Co. Uh, Victor, good evening. Big fan of sports cards nonsense. Great to see you, Victor. Check out Victor's YouTube channel, as is his name, Victor, the rookie card specialist. Frank Estella, good to see you. LBBK loves Geo Breaks. Nice to hear. Baseball card curmudgeon, what's going on? Steve Foley in the house, founder of TradeSafe. Good to see you, buddy. Skeppy in the house, what's going on? JH says, so Mike, that 800K in product in 2020, what's that worth now? Five million? Oh, dude. In 2020, it was all 2018 and 2010. It was Bowman, 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 Chrome, Bowman draft. That was the heaviest thing we broke. You are way low with that. There's no way, way it's low. only worth five times. Yep. yep. Way low. Oh, Jake well. Dahl, what's going on? Sanderson Thor. Eric says, be careful of this guy, Jeremy. He's from oh, Boston. I don't know. Is that Eric? Those guys. That's oh, Eric. That's Eric. Eric's also from Boston. He's obviously <laughs> tongue in cheek. Uh, Johnny App wants to know, ask Mike, how can we get him to the Toronto Expo in June? You can see on the ticker right now, June 2nd of 5th in Toronto. Mike, you want to come? It would June literally show. take more than an act of God. I've got a family vacation in June. There's no, honestly, we're trying, I'm trying to limit the travel. So yeah, probably not. Sorry, man. Maybe we'll get you there in November. It's twice a year. We'll keep, we'll talk. We'll talk. I Eric hear Canada, Myers. I hear Canada is beautiful in November, by the way. So I, <laughs> I would be all for November. I'm excited. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Maybe you wait for next year in uh, in May <laughs> or June. Uh, Eric Myers, great to see you. Joe Perot says meeting Gio in Vegas was awesome. He cares about the hobby and it is and is as real as it gets. Very nice. Raj says comment, like, subscribe, and ring the bell. Thanks, Raj. Much appreciated. We got Latrell Sprewell in the house. What's going on? Angel Strength. Hello to you as well. If you're looking for a link for the for the uh, Toronto Sport Card Expo, SportCardExpo.com. Uh, if that's what you're looking for. All right, let's talk about your new project. I'm going to flip it up on the ticker right now, Mike. Here we go. Download the Card Shop Live on Apple and Android on May 5th. And of course, you can listen to Mike's podcast, Sports Card Nonsense, on all podcast platforms. Card Shop Live. Mike, what is Card Shop Live? Talk about it. So the only correction, we, we made a last second decision. The, we're going live the 4th now in the App Store, Wednesday. Is that the Let me fourth? update this. Let me update this. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Because it's watch how fast. Watch how fast I can do that. Look, boom. Just because it's oh. Bowman and National Treasures release day. I was like, we got to be live that day. So we'll be live the fourth. Um, it's a live streaming app. You know, there's obviously plenty of them out there. You mentioned Whatnot earlier. We worked with them for a while. Um, Whatnot, Loop are the two big ones for sure in, in the space. And we just kind of wanted to build something to compete with those guys. Um, I, I think my hobby background and my breaking expertise or whatever you want to call it, I feel like I know as much about the space. It, honestly, I don't think we're ever going to be as big as those companies. They are massive to their credit. They came out of the gate. They got there first. But I basically looked at what they were doing and said, hey, they're obviously onto an unbelievably successful idea. I think with my breaking knowledge, we can tweak some things to make it more appealing for breakers. Um, we can really try to set the bar high when it comes to accountability of sellers. 
That's really the focus. But it's very similar, you know, live chat. You'll have live camera angles when there's breaks. Breaks are, pre, are pre-sold just like on any other, you know, website or Facebook group. They post, you get a push notification, go into that person's store, buy it. They'll be live later on to break it. Um, some of the big features to me, again, they're not sexy features when it comes to like a sales pitch. Um, vetted sellers. I don't want anybody on there who I don't know, who other people don't know, don't vouch for with their own wallet, who don't have a great um, reputation in the business. The other thing, very simple, every video is recorded and posted all, always. So if you miss the break, you don't have to rely on like some breaker who you don't know sending you a card. Go back and watch the break. Um, payments are instant. Once you set up your once you set up your account, you win a bid either live or you buy something. You just one click, your stuff's paid for, you're done. Um, and then we're going to work in a live content element as well, just because that's something I've wanted to try to do that uh, in the past. It's just tough to do. There's only so much content that the hobby needs right now, in my opinion, that's interesting. So well, we're going to try to work some of that in as well and eventually build out an e-commerce, like a, uh, like a peer-to-peer trading system as well uh, that will be just kind of a heavily vouched system. But the short answer is live streaming of breaks, personals, boxes, PYTs, whatever, and also uh, just live auctions of singles, of boxes, whatever people want to auction off. PYTs being pick your team. So yep. you you would you would have 30 slots, let's say, and people would pay a different price based on the, the quality, the potential hits related to that particular team along with everything else. So is it just going to be app-based or is this something that you could watch and join in on on a, on a desktop or laptop as well? Yeah, it's it's both right now, actually. So we're still in beta. We've been there for about a month. But yeah, it's desktop or from the uh, from your phone app, whatever you want to use. Yep. So for any, I mean, you mentioned it's like a it like or it's going to compete with whatnot, who's a a channel sponsor of mine uh, mm-hmm. and Loop. Um, but for anyone who doesn't really know what these are, are it, it's live shopping for all intents and purposes. I just want to kind of wrap that up for you, Mike. It's live shopping. You mentioned that you can go in there early, buy a spot, and then they're going to break it later. Can you buy spots on the fly as well? Yeah, it, honestly, it just depends what the breaker wants to do. You know, as a breaker, I may have a case of Bowman coming out next Wednesday, and I'll, I'll make my my list of team pricing, and I'll alert my audience, hey, at 12 o'clock Central Time Wednesday, this goes on sale. It'll drop in the store just like it would drop on a website. You'll get a push notification, go in and buy your teams. But if certain teams are unsold, for example, yeah, the breaker can just pull them out of the store, go live, and do a live auction with that team. Uh, if he has a bunch of single boxes laying around, which is happening right now, that's actually been one of the unexpectedly uh, well-performing areas guys just going live with random boxes and packs and auctioning them right there. So yeah, you can buy stuff on the fly as well. Uh, Kind of both, but the whole thing of trying to fill full case breaks live is brutal. Like I've tried that on other sites. You're going to sell 30 teams, 30 spots. It's just tough. So this was just put out a store just like you're doing now, just like most well-accomplished breakers are doing now, put it in your store, let guys go through and buy them. By the time you hit play on the camera, you're ready to just go on and rip. So I'm seeing a bit of a pattern here. You were you were working with a breaker and then you went and you you obviously saw, I don't know, uh, an opportunity or a room, an area where you can improve in to go off and do your own breaking. You were participating in some of these live shopping platforms before. Now you're doing your own. I'm, I'm laying this out because I want to know what is it that really, what was the aha moment for you? When you thought to yourself, you know what, these are okay for, in my opinion, uh, I feel like I can do it better. I want to do it better. If that's what went through your mind, what were the 
what were some of the key differentiating factors? You know, you mentioned accountability of sellers or knowing the sellers themselves. Is there anything further? Is there anything, anything else that you really feel is going to differentiate Card Shop Live from the competition? Yeah, you actually just hit the nail on the head too with my whole business strategy the last few years. Find that I'm, I've never been creative or smart enough to come up with my own idea, but I've, I've been smart enough to at least get involved with people who do it well and then be like, you know what? I can improve certain aspects. Breaking, that's exactly what it was. I saw breakers. It's not my idea, but I think I can do it better and it worked. There were podcasts out there and I thought, hey, I'm going to I'm going to make a podcast as well and just build off what they've done. You know, the same was true with this. Um, I'll use whatnot because you mentioned them and because whatnot was a paid sponsor of ours for six months. Uh, we worked really well in the early days and, and I'm not going to bash that. I mean, that's not why I've, I've come on. I want to promote ours without destroying theirs. But there were certain things that, that happen on the site now that I just have no interest in being associated with. Like, I, I don't want to pay for a random spot in a mystery break. I started seeing mystery breaks on whatnot, a loop on Facebook. I thought in general, it's it's not good value. It's it's taking advantage of a customer for the most part. I, I don't want to do that. I've been on the other side of that. When I started buying into breaks, when I knew nothing about breaking, I was like, I'm getting murdered on stuff. Like I'm not getting any value in return. I've got a guy pulling a $5 card and yelling about it. I get it in hand. I just paid 50 bucks. I can't resell it because it's not worth that. I actually think that's horrible for the hobby. Um, we've talked about this in Clubhouse before. When some of these things first popped up, it was like, man, I'm selling stuff way above comps. That's awesome for the one guy. And then everybody else down the road gets a bad taste in their mouth and gets burned. So our thing here was, again, be upfront about values. When you're pricing team breaks, case breaks, whatever, be upfront about it. There'll be no dice games, games of chance, stuff like that. I, there's enough chance opening a pack of cards. I don't, I don't need you playing with a roulette wheel. Um, accountability, too, just in the sense that, you know, Eddie, for example, Geo Breaks, runs a repack product every week that he makes. And every single week, I've, I've told everybody from day one, you could buy every single spot in there and you'd make 5 to 10% profit. Because I know exactly how he builds it, because I built it with him at the beginning. We're going to comp out 50 cards. We're going to sell 50 spots. And we're going to take 5% or 10% off the total. I just think there has to be some accountability and responsibility on the part of sellers. And although there were other platforms that had great ideas, I didn't see that. And, and I think that the larger issue with that is almost all of these companies, where were they in the hobby when me and you were in the hobby 10 years ago, Jeremy? That's not a knock on anybody in particular, but quite frankly, the big money in the hobby today, I didn't know who they were when I was a kid or even when I was in my 20s. Doesn't mean every idea I have is better because I have more knowledge because that's I'm, I've swung and missed on a bunch, but that's kind of where I came down with it. This live selling thing is a great thing. I just think it needs to be more regulated and with some more trustworthy people involved. How, you know, in business, first mover advantage is, is a real advantage. It's a real thing. How do you, how, how do you see yourselves and have you planned, have you planned your, your navigation in terms of marketing and, uh, and, and uh, customer acquisition, not being the first mover. Um, how are you going to deal with that? Yeah. Again, I try to just take a very realistic approach uh, just to use whatnot again. Whatnot has built a company in two years that's worth $1.5 billion. I don't care if you hate everything about that company. That is unbelievably impressive. Hands down. They were the first to do it. And I'm and honestly good on them for having the vision to do it. I'm never, this company, Card Shop Live, is never going to be able to compete with a billion-dollar company like that in terms of monetary value, giveaways, um, you know, some of the stuff they give away, unbelievable. Like, I'm glad they can. That's awesome for them. 
So our, again, our pitch is very simple to customers. Come break with people who are going to take care of you. If they don't, the president of this corporation happens to be a short, angry psychopath with a microphone <laughs> who, quite frankly, made a name for himself when I was calling scammers out at their work. I had a whole group of guys. We worked together. It was awesome. You got scammed and I knew you. We'd call your parents. We would call where you worked. We would. Now, granted, I'm not going to do that every time someone gets scammed on the app. We're just going to take care of it. So, again, it's, there's nothing fancy about it. The pitch is simply you're going to get great customer service. If you don't, the breaker will make it right or the seller. If he doesn't, then our team will get involved and make sure you're taken care of and the person will be kicked off the site immediately. We will make it right if they don't. Okay, so I want to ask you this now. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of these new new companies in the space they require a lot of tech. They require a lot of development. I can only imagine what you've endeavored to create required a lot of development, a lot of lead time. So I have I have a few questions for you. How long have you been working on this? How have you funded this? Because I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of money invested. Do you have any big name investors? And, and the board of directors, you mentioned to me earlier that you have a board of directors. So may we ask who sits on the board? Of, there's a lot of questions there. So sure. uh, if you remember them all, I'll let you just uh, address them. Uh, so we started having the idea, uh, honestly. So uh, let me back that up to some people who I knew had been talking about, hey, we're looking to mess around with something. They had, because again, people saw what WhatNot was doing. People saw what Loop was doing. Um, for a while, this was in 2021, we were in a contract with whatnot. It wasn't exclusive, but I did at the same time. I was like, guys, I don't really want to even talk with you until January because that's when our contract's up. I'll, I'll deal with it then. Um, but by the end of the contract, I, had, I was honestly looking for something else anyways. Um, so when we decided not to re-up with whatnot, then it was like, okay, guys, now, now we're ready to have this conversation. Um, they basically came up with the idea, and we all did the idea we have now. Eddie was involved. Uh, my buddy Sean was involved. Jesse uh, as well. And in January, it was like, hey, let, let's get this thing built. So our first call was to a tech guy. Um, John Harden, Harden Enterprises is a massive company. They've got offices in Wisconsin and in Dallas. Uh, he, he's the owner of the company, the president. Um, unbelievably smart with tech. He's built startup companies from the ground up. He sits on the board of a bunch of stuff. There's some big names. Some of the stuff in our pitch deck are companies I've never heard of, but when people hear them, they get impressed because he's got a great resume. He agreed to basically come on for a small piece of equity. Um, now we've had to pay probably at this point five to six hundred thousand dollars in the tech build out, um, plus the initial cost. I mean, it, it definitely costs a lot of money, but he's working with us at this point on a daily basis, him and his team. Um, because that is, yeah, like you said, that was the biggest thing. I don't know anything about tech, I don't know how you would even go about starting to build an app or anything <coughs> else. They did all of the legwork with that, and he sits on our board as the uh, CTO, chief tech, yeah, CTO. Uh, what was your next, I'm sorry, Jay, what was your next question? Uh, the money, where'd you, where'd you get the money? Oh yeah, so we had a private investor, uh, actually a guy who knew Eddie. Um, I guess he just got a bunch of money. I mean, I came up with the first chunk of money myself. Um, I also didn't want to just leverage myself out the whole way on this. So he came up with uh, just about a half million at the very beginning and kicked in. And then the only person who's even known on this, which will come out anyways, so I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn, uh, SGC is an investor at this point too. Uh, they'll have a board seat, um, but but in a minority. I mean, I still own the majority of the company at 50, 51%, whatever. Jesse owns a piece, Eddie from Geo Breaks. 
we've got a CEO, the CTO, SGC. So uh, kind of trickle down after that. Uh, but we're working with SGC because we, we like them as graders. But then we also thought, man, that'd be great if this platform, if there was just simply a one-click button, sub my cards SGC from that break. Awesome. Yeah. I don't have to ship them to you. Wait a week, ship them back yourself. Try to figure out if you want to grade. And then we're going to work with them in the future too. The plan is we want a button on SGC. Instead of, hey, Jeremy Lee wants his cards, ship them home to Canada. No, ship them to Card Shop Live. We will consign them and just live auction them for you. I thought that would be a cool service to offer. But quite frankly, we want to offer – I would love to – and I've just been lazy getting around to it. I want to have that discussion with PSA as well. Not to be an investor, but to me, that's a great service to offer. Like, hey, well, if you want to send your cards to PSA, cool. Do it through our site. You want your cards from PSA sold here. I I don't want this to be the place where we're – you know, locked into one company because they happen to sponsor the podcast. This is a business. We want to make this run as effectively and as best we can for the people using it, uh, whatever their preferences might be. And, you know, that's not a, that, the idea that you just had or you just shared there. It's, uh, if I remember correctly, didn't CSG and PWCC just announce uh, a partnership similar yep. sort of thing? You have, you know, copying us. Copying you guys. Yeah. Oh, I interrupted too. I was doing good, man. I did 41 oh, minutes did. first interruption. Dang it. You're, you're doing great. Well, you're doing great, Mike. Um, I want to bring up this. There's a comment right here. DR says, genuinely asking, how do you move on to another venture, but make sure you protect yourself since you already hit the lotto with the last one? Yep. Yeah, I've talked about it pretty openly on the podcast. Um, I, I think on the, at, at certain times I've even said the exact amount of money, but um, for our for our purposes, I've been very conservative with my money. Uh, we bought properties. I, I don't find rental properties and flip houses to be overly sexy, but they're consistent streams of income. Uh, I, I put a bunch of money into the stock market. Uh, I, I diversified pretty well. And then I took a chunk of that money and I was like, hey, this is the play money. If it goes belly up tomorrow, it'll hurt, but it doesn't change our day-to-day -day life. So, um, And I just thought, hey, this might be the... I told you the other day privately on the phone, and I believe it. I think this is the one idea where we ride off into the sunset. Me and my whole team, I think it goes well, and hopefully we get acquired, and that's the end of that. We'll stay involved. I would love to continue as a spokesman in whatever capacity they want. But this was kind of the, hopefully, the aha, yeah, ride off into the sunset idea. What do you think about other entities coming into the space? I've heard rumblings that Facebook wants to get into live shopping, Instagram, eBay fanatics, any, anyone else, uh, what are your thoughts on that in terms of some, you know, maybe a, a, a big company comes in, uh, in the next few months. Um, have you thought about that? Yeah. You know, we actually got paid to do some live selling on, um, on Amazon. When Amazon launched their Amazon live platform, they contacted our agency over at Octagon and we did, we did like three or four shows. That's what they do. It's almost like a, a mix between a live selling. It's not an auction. It was just a live set price where you have the, the ticker on the bottom with the items. Almost like a QVC style home shopping network thing. I think that's going to, I mean, if Amazon wants to get into any space, they're going to, right? It's like a $3 trillion company. Um, and, and to me, I think, okay, great. So let us build this into an unbelievably successful company. And same, I would say the same thing to Fanatics. They've talked about wanting a secondary market. Okay. Let us build it and pay for it and then just come in and buy this one. Uh, if not, we're going to continue to do what we do and just press on like we're going to run this forever. But I think that's coming. I don't know how anybody – I'm not overly smart. I've never claimed to be and I'm not. I have some wit, thank God, because I'm short and I don't have any other useful skills. 
even I, though, was smart enough to look at whatnot and loop and be like, these guys are onto something. We need to imitate and improve. Somebody with more brains and money than me is going to has already had this discussion and is, I'm sure, planning to do the same thing. They'd be foolish not to. Yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right. I think there's something to be said, though, for not being a huge company and having a presence in the hobby, having a uh, an identity, a personality. Uh, you have a huge Facebook group at, with sports cards nonsense, uh, tens of thousands of mem of members on there. So. Uh, and I mentioned all this because, you know, Justin Vick says, you know, tech is cool. Marketing is necessary. How are you going to get eyeballs on Card Shop Live? Yep. To you know, because you're going to need, you're going to be competing. Obviously, there are other competitors in the space. And you're also going to be competing with potentially a, a huge presence eventually, whether it's an Amazon or something like that. So do you want to just touch briefly on marketing strategy? Yeah, I mean, that's an awesome question. So we have a whole marketing team involved in the company uh, for that very reason. We knew early on, I don't know how to market something like this. And so the beginning stage was very simple. Let's approach people who have great communities like Eddie at GeoBreaks and his 6,000 active members. Let's bring him and his audience on. Why pour attention to somebody who's never sold before and say, hey, hey, public, trust this nobody. It's not to insult a person, but he's not known. Trust this unknown person. Well, now two things. I have to prove the sellers worthy of, of your trust, and I have to get people to buy into that. So our philosophy was a little bit different. Let's just go after people who already have a great community. And instead of selling on your own website, on your own Facebook, wherever you're selling, come here. It's a fee-based platform, right? So you're going to pay a piece of that. How do we make up for it? Well, some of these guys are simply getting cut in on the equity. I mean, the, the app is already worth, with the revenue we've generated in a month in beta, 15 to 18 million today. What does that look like in six months when we have 50 active sellers? A lot more than that. So if you own 0.2% of one share, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. So that was really the marketing plan to start. Go out and, and get talent who have a community. Invite your people. Bring them on. Hey, good news. We have great tech behind it, which will help prop up what you're already doing. And then I feel like I have the biggest microphone on the ringer in the, in the hobby space. Free promotion that you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, and then, uh, and then of course, promotions along the way, giveaways, that stuff to me was secondary, but it started there. Bring on people with the community, other things. There are a couple ideas marketing. I don't want to say, cause there's already people in the space. And if I say some things, I think whatnot could do it tomorrow or loop. These guys are already established. You, you will see some interactive things on our site that you don't see anywhere else, uh, that will appeal to people with, uh, I guess, bigger followings than I have, or most people have. So we'll market that way as well. Um, and then we'll use the assets we have on the ringer. There's some pretty big, you know, big personalities associated with that company. Um, you know, I don't think Bill's breaking anywhere else. And I'm hoping in the very near future, Bill will be on the app. And then we'll go from there. You know, once we start making more money, we'll start, you know, the marketing, I'm sure will change. But it's a great question. Marketing is huge and I'm not that great at it. So thankfully, we got a team in place. That's why you put a team in place for sure. Here's my next question. <clears throat> You've named it Card Shop Live. Yep. Are you limiting it to cards only? Sports, TCG? Uh, would you like? How do you how do you go with that name and then launch other verticals and niches within collectibles? Yeah. So to start with, I mean, yeah, that was where my connections were sports cards, right? But already we have Pokemon sellers on there, so we're going to definitely expand to TCG. And then comics are the next thing. We've talked to a couple people in the comic book world to come over and give it a shot. I don't want to spread myself too thin. You know, I, I really don't. I, I don't want a, a pool of 100 sellers with 2,000 active members. 
and then no one's really that active. And then what's the point? So as we grow and as we prove that, hey, you know, we've established a name, people like the tech, people like the personalities they've met, then, yeah, we're open to expand it to anything. Um, I mean, just about anything. But, yeah, to me, it takes I want to be good at a couple things before I try to be, you know, I don't I would rather be good at three things than be adequate at 10. Sure. No, that, that, that makes sense. So you're going live on the on the app stores may the 4th not may the 5th anymore may the 4th so we oh may the 4th star wars day so so we can actually uh we we can actually go ahead and download the app on our phones at that time apple and android um what are you like how excited are you right now man I mean, this is it's a big deal to go live are, are you do you have butterflies are you are you are you excited are you nervous uh what what are the feelings going through and and how do you think those are going to change as you as we wrap up to may the 4th and the few days after that just personally yeah, yeah for, this is the first time i'm nervous because friday so obviously it, it launches on the 4th we're going to make a big push with giveaways we've got nt boxes panini one all the new product we're going to try to really have a push with giveaways and 50 percent off breaks all that stuff get people over um, and that's when we're really going to start making our big push on the podcast. We haven't done that yet. We're going to start that this week. Um, I'm hopeful, but I'm also very pessimistic. I have a number in mind of active subscribers and users that I want to see by the, by the big launch event Saturday night. And if we're not there, then I'll have some serious questions about the need for this. Just to be honest, I'm not building this thing and spending all this time and money to get 600 people. Well, there's more than that now. There's 1500 active people right now. But if we made this huge marketing push this week and it hits the app store, so it's easy as opposed to this beta where you got to click 50 stupid links to try to get on. You know, if Saturday night we had 1,800 people, I'd have some pretty serious reservations. So I, I am optimistic, but I'm very nervous. I want to see the response this week once we have a full week of marketing and it's easily accessible in the app store. So first time I've been nervous with it. So I was going to ask, like, is this based on what you just said? And you know, you, you'll be nervous if you don't get if you don't hit that number. On May the fourth, or by May the fifth, you know, uh, Skeppy here says, "Being retired, why mess with the sports card business? What is the drive versus a more luc versus more lucrative options?" Now, there's an assumption there that there were more lucrative options available to you, and I don't want to answer the question for you, but if it was asked to me, I'd say, "Well, my passion is in sports cards, so that's where I want to be." But I'll, I'll let you answer it, and also, I'm going to add in my own. Part, part of the question, which is like, are you betting your life on this in your, in your mind? Are you kind of betting your life on this project? Yeah. So like just to, and, and kind of in the order it was asked, right? Same answer as you. Why sports cards? I love it. I, I want to work in something I don't hate doing. Um, more lucrative options. I mean, like we got involved in the housing market and flipped a couple houses really quick last year and ended really, really well. How long does that last? Right? Like at that point I was like, okay, this is a market like anything else. I think it's at the top. I'd rather get out and be a little more conservative and get out early. Um, and yeah, I mean, financially, if this thing goes belly up tomorrow, no, I'm not crushed or out on the street or anything like that. Um, it would be a hit to my pride because I've, I've staked my name on this and I want to, I, I think I told you this on the phone the other day privately too, and it's an old school mentality. Make money for the people who do business with you. If you always make your partner's money, you're always going to be in good shape. There's some people who've put up some serious money on the basis that I've told them, hey, we were successful breaking. We were successful with the podcast. We're going to make this successful. But other people put up their money, which is the first time I've done that. Ask people for money uh, like that. And so 
to me, it's not really an option. Like, even if this thing doesn't really take off, okay, then we grind it out and we still make people their money. Um, but my thing, and I think I mentioned this also to you, this is the first time I've called in favors. I've really tried to be a guy who would help people out um, as much as possible, uh, even in little things, but sometimes it was big asks. And I've tried to help out when I could. And that was the thing. I, I, I tried to never be petty and just ask stuff back, ask favors, like try to be self-reliant. Well, this is, an, this is an, a space where you need people who will help you. Like when you're going up against billion-dollar companies, you need people to help. So this was the first time I've really tried to call in those, what I consider once-in-a-lifetime asks. Hey, this is the only time I'm going to ask you. Never going to bug you again. And so, yeah, if it doesn't go, I don't think to me, to me, there's not like the next thing. Like, hey, this doesn't take off. What's next? I'm good. The podcast is doing really, really well. Jesse quit his job, uh, an executive job at Dell. I mean, we're making plenty of money there. There won't be a next thing like this. I'm 36. I'll be married 14 years in October. I don't want to keep having these things where I'm up and working 70 hours a week. Like if this goes well and it takes off, great. And if it doesn't, then okay. We had a crazy run. I'll keep doing what I'm doing, but I'll scale way back. Because at this point, my wife's been patient enough with with all these ridiculous endeavors. So this is kind of it for me when it comes to like the next thing. Are you a father? I got puppies, man. I got my boys, Brady and Griffey. No kids. No kids, not yet. No kids. All right. No, good stuff. Good stuff. And I appreciate uh, all all those answers. I'm going to go to some comments now. I apologize to everybody. I've been been starring the ones I wanted to come back to. So we're going to run through a whole bunch now because we're at the end of, I believe we're at the end of my questions that I had for you on Card Shop Live. So let's jump into some comments here. Uh, First of all, Scott says, Geo in person is disappointingly an extremely nice guy, which which is true. I'll vouch for that. I'll vouch for that. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, well done, Scotty. Thank you. Oh, Uh, man. Jake's Toe. Yeah, good to have you back, Jake's Toe. Richard Zangrillo says, do you save the videos should there be disputes regarding the breaks on Card Shop Live? Is that why you're saving the videos? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Again, accountability. Hey, I, I hit this card. I didn't get in my package. Here's the break video. No, you didn't. Or yes, you did. We screwed up. We'll make it right. Yeah, absolutely. Is that unique in the space right now? It is, but it won't be for long. I'll be honest with you. When we talked with the tech team, this was unbelievably simple to do. I would be shocked if this is not on loop and whatnot in the next 10 minutes. Like there's no reason not to do it. And those guys have enough money and a tech team in place. I would guarantee that is done across the board. I hope, and I, and honestly, I hope it is. I, I think that is something that should. The fact that that was not from the beginning of any of these companies to me is a huge red flag. But I think we will see it across the board. Okay, uh, Richard says, will it just be breakers or will there be singles sellers as well? Will there be an auction sort of uh, yep. option? Yeah, like the poke. There's some guys right now. Eddie does both. There'll be some guys on the platform who are exclusive to just singles. Uh, and just different stuff too. Like me and Jesse have like 250 card lot of Marvel cards. We'll be on there just selling those and auctioning and having fun with that. But yeah, pre-filled breaks, breaks that fill live, packs, boxes, singles, comics, whatever. Yep. Slabbed and raw on the single side? Yeah. So the raw thing, we're allowing it to start. I'll be curious to see where that goes. You know, we have five people on there right now. Five people I would trust with a large sum of money. I've done business with these people for a long time. As That's obviously something that we're going to have to monitor. 
if you're going to sell raw cards, I, I want to see clear pictures of that. And if I hear anybody make the claim this thing's an SGC 10 or a PSA 10, I'm going to burn their house down. That's when I write that in their contract. False I, claims about grading, we burn down your place of living. Yeah, so please sign here on the dotted line. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Justin Fix says, Jeremy, reading these comments out loud motivates me to create the best feedback possible. Thanks, Justin. I I'm glad it motivates you. Uh, Eric says, Mike, I assume this new business venture will be hockey card heavy, correct? Eric's exclusive. A big hockey collector out of Boston. Ice only, baby. LVBK wants to, what breakers are currently on the platform? Yeah, so Eddie is the is the biggest one right now. Geo Breaks, uh, Deep Fried Breaks is a, a Blake Bollinger. He used to he actually used to work with me at Geo Breaks. He's breaking on there. Stephanie from Mama Breaks. Uh, Mike Bleach is a Pokemon guy. Mike the Card guy, and Walk Off Submissions does kind of some singles. He's a big group sub guy. Uh, he's been auctioning off some packs and stuff like that as well. Uh, and like I said, Eddie, actually all of those breakers so far have done both breaks and singles. Then this week, me and Jesse will be joining. Uh, we're dropping like for every basically every person we add, we do like a big giveaway launch page. So me and Jesse's will be launching this week. That's all for this coming week. The week after we have like three to five more people. We're hoping we can uh, get on there uh, at that point. Perfect. Well, Jeremy from Collectors League thinks it's a, a great idea. That troubles me. <laughs> Lucky K says every time you start a business, part of your business plan should be an exit strategy. Now, before you address this, Mike, I just want to say that that is excellent, excellent advice. Uh, one of my earliest mentors in my professional life told me whenever you're whenever you're working up to create a deal, you always have to figure out how you're going to unwind the deal. Have you got any thoughts? Have you put any thought into exiting as early as now? And and you know, I would say you probably should if you haven't already. Yeah, I mean, just to be pretty honest, like we've told all the people we've brought on, um, I have a number in mind. If, if this, if and when this number is achieved and somebody comes with an acquisition or an offer, I'm out. Uh, I, I have also made this statement, though, that I would never leave. I don't care who it is. We have some people with as little as 3.75% equity. If that person was still involved, me and Jesse are in all the way. Um but yeah, if, I have an exit strategy tomorrow. Like, hey, what would you leave the company? What would you take? What's your walkaway number? I've got that clear in mind. <clears throat> I also have my, hey, run this as the president for the next year and make it somewhat full-time. I'm, I'm fine with that too. I've got that in mind. But yeah, I agree. Um, the exit strategy is kind of an ever-morphing number at this point. I'm sure. Are you guys um, all remote right now, the whole team? Or do you have office space? Or are you planning to get it if you don't yet? Yeah, I've got, I've so I have some office space that actually opens up tomorrow uh, here in, uh, in in Nashville. We had a I bought an office building and had some existing uh, tenants who were running businesses out of there. They had to the end of April, so starting this week, uh, me and Jesse kind of start making the the move from our rental space to the to the new offices. Very cool. I want to say hello to Albert Jones. Welcome to the show. Richard Zangrillo says, thank you, Mike, for launching on my son's birthday. I know I know that's secretly a shout out to me, and I appreciate it. You want to just let him know? I mean, anything to make that kid's life a little bit better, having Rich as a dad, right? We can try to help. <laughs> Is that fair? I think that's I think, I that's, think that's I think that's all Richard, good fun. Richard's a friend in real life before any idiot in the chat gets worked up. I think that's uh, all in good fun. All in good fun. John Wee has joined us. John Wee is uh, one of the founders of the Center Stage app, who's a supporter of this channel. And I have their ticker going right now. And I want to show you, I'm just going to do this for a second. I'm going to show you guys the app. There, there it is. There's the Center Stage app right there, right above my finger, right above my finger there. So if you're, uh, you want to go into the Apple store and 
download the center stage app that would be great let's give john some support they're doing a great job over there at center stage uh richard zangrillo says will there be as many games i.e dice rolls roulettes guess the energy i've never heard of that one etc or will selling be more straightforward and less game of chance based like your competitors so i think what richard's talking about are some of these uh, we'll just call them games of chance that some breakers use on various platforms in order to sell spots and that sort of thing uh can you speak to these games of chance and yeah, whether like or not they'll be allowed on 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 card shop live yeah i mean it's enough chance opening a pack of cards right that that's it i don't, I don't need to add more chance to it so no not not a fan of them we won't we won't do them you won't allow them and and if a so is that going to be in your terms and conditions that you're that your your uh vet your sellers are, are signing up and they're agreeing to before so they will just be precluded from doing that right out of the gate yeah so this, there's certain things like some of those terms are specifically mentioned there uh the other big thing is just again when it comes to mystery product or repack products only upon approval there's a couple big breakers who do repacks on a weekly basis and do it right and they're they're awesome and i'm fine with but it's not something where you're going to come on day one and start repacking product and making mystery stuff. Fair enough. All right. Jeremy says, I really like, or sorry, I enjoy Mike's openness and honesty. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a straight shooter for sure. DR wants to know your thoughts on Tom Brady coming back to play this season. He's not going to Miami. Thank you, Brian Gray. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. I love Brady. I'm glad he's back. Good. There you go. Uh, Hobby Champs is here. We can start the stream a little. You're an hour late, but uh, glad to have you here. Hobby Champs, Justin Vick, Exit Strategy, Arson. The next comment, by the way, was my favorite. I tried to stay away from the chat. I liked Francesco. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't. Well, let's go. Let's bring it Francesco. <laughs> can I bring it up? Oh, of course. I don't mind. Francesco says, I'm not going to say it, but Gio's a fill in the blank. Don't give sure. this clown your money. How do you respond to a comment like that? And why do you think he thinks you're a clown? Oh, I rub people wrong all the time. I mean, yeah, Geo's a prick. Oh, I, honestly, plenty of people think that, buddy. You're not alone. Don't give this clown your money. I, I agree. If you don't like me and you don't like what we offer on any of our platforms, don't listen to the podcast. Go find somewhere. It doesn't, yeah, no no problem at all. Fine. He's not alone. He or she is not alone. I, I would guarantee that. <laughs> Bob's big boy says, shout out to Breakers TV, who Breakers. got me started in cards back in 20. I remember when you... Breakers TV launched because breaking became such a big thing after really the rise of it in the very late 2000s, early 2010s. You're nodding in agreement. What do you remember about Breakers TV? How yeah, did that influence you? Oh, yeah. I remember, again, 2015, 2016, that was where I was exposed to it and started breaking like a maniac and then getting it on like the single, uh, what, like the single razzes type stuff. Oh, absolutely. I had I had just got back into cards and that was like the most captivating. It was live. It was great. There was a ton of great features about it. Yep. Yep. Information Man Show. Hello, new to the channel. Welcome to the channel. Great to have you. Thank you for joining Hobbs big boy if you want everyone to like you then sell ice cream that's a good uh that's good advice right there bob good advice right there all right i got nothing else on on uh card shop live is there anything else you want to share mike before we move on to some more general hobby topics i'm good no i'm ready to go that's it yeah i think i did enough of a sales pitch thanks for letting me spout it all out yeah you bet and to, to the chat if you have any more questions comments on the card shop live which is Mike's new project that is launching on May the 4th here. Again, it's on the ticker. You can go download Card Shop Live on Apple and Android on May the 4th. And also 
You can listen to Sports Cards Nonsense, Mike and Jesse, on all the podcast platforms. That is a ringer podcast, I believe. That's uh, the right way to say it. So let's talk about some general stuff here. Um, you went on a bit of a rant on your on IG Live or Facebook Live the other day. I watched it. I believe it was mostly a, had to but with accountability of influencers. Is that is that kind of what it was? Do you want to just sort of share what your frustration was that led you to to going on that live rant? And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I've had an issue with influencers in general uh, since since I st- I found them years ago. I was too busy breaking when I was actually breaking full time to pay attention. But then afterwards, when I started 2020, when I started listening, j- just some of the people in the space, I-, I don't know how they ever got an audience in the first place. And people are just allowed to spout off, hey, go buy this, go buy that, sell this. And it's like you'd find out later, A, they're not invested at all themselves, or B, you know, there was a huge account in the past that was telling you to buy stuff when they were selling it from another account and then vice versa. It just, it, somebody had made comments about this. It became a big talking topic in the Facebook group. And it just irritated me. I just, me and Jesse, that is why from day one. And Simmons, this was a big sticking point with Bill. He's like, hey, one of the first episodes you do, I want you to disclose every card you own. I want you to show everybody what you've got. So when you go out and say buy KD, it's because I just dropped 40 grand on a lot. It was one of our first shows, by the way. I'm so upside down that KD thing. Um, But that was like a big sticking point for me. People say things, you know, go buy whoever. I don't, whatever. Go buy uh, um, Brandon Ingram. Spend all your money on Brandon. Well, next week he's eliminated from the playoffs. Nobody cares who Brandon Ingram is this week. And then same influencer the next day is, you know, Chris Paul is a great buy right now. Well, what happened to the guys who just lost the only money they had in the hobby last week? I'm okay if you want to make picks, but I want to hear the follow-up to them. That's why the only time me and Jesse do the hot, like the buy and sell stuff now is on things I'm invested in. And I'll tell you, like, hey, I bought all these KDs like you did, and I lost more money because I bought it more heavily. Hey, I'm selling this guy right now because I just think he's a stiff. I think he's an idiot. I want to get rid and when you're wrong, just come out and that's it. Hey, guys, for everybody who listened to me last week when I did this, I lost my shirt. So did you. It was a stupid pick. But then that's it. I don't need the next 10 minutes of justification from people. You were wrong. You cost people money. Hopefully you lost money yourself because I want you to put your money where your mouth is. But then just be accountable. And the hobby has a bad history of not holding people accountable. It, it really does for whatever reason. So... How do you reconcile that position with buyer beware? You know, we're all grown adults. Well, not all of us, but I'd say 95% of the hobby is our grown adults. And shouldn't we be able to make up our own minds and hold ourselves accountable? And I'm asking this as devil's advocate. I'm not saying I believe in what I'm saying. I'm just putting it out there for discussion. Like, why, why do we care that they are held accountable? Because we should hold ourselves accountable first and not worry what anybody else does. I, again, I, I'm not saying I believe in this comment because I, I I don't, but I want you to address it nonetheless. Yeah, I actually agree with that comment in in principle 100%. I think you should only be responsible for the actions you make because you made them, period, right? I, I think that. I actually firmly believe in that. I've also been around this hobby long enough to know that's just not – and you know this too. That's why I said the devil's advocate. I think it's a great other other side. It's not going to happen though, Right. We have seen, and the pattern is, when certain people who influence or whatever you want to call these idiots, 
say things, people are going to follow. Would it be great if they didn't blindly follow? Yes. But I know that that's not going to happen. So then I have to have the added responsibility of then change your message. You know, some guys have brought up in the chat too, like, hey, well, a casino doesn't care if you win or lose. Yeah, and I think a casino is terrible for society for that very reason. They don't care. This isn't a casino. Like, I think the mindset here should be, you know what? Uh, yeah, go – and everybody always uses this. And this this makes me more angry than anything. Well, just do your research, though. A guy will pump picks for 20 minutes, and then at the end of it, he's like, well, do your research. Well, hey, stupid, you have a platform that you've built. Nobody's going to do – listening to you was the research in that person's right. mind. I think it's a bad choice. But at some point, I, I feel I have to have at least a little bit of accountability if I continue to invite the alcoholic to the bar. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. Is it his responsibility that he drank? Yep. I probably shouldn't have invited him in as many times or made it so appealing. So it's 50-50. It's not all in the influencers. But the other person is not going to change. The uneducated people are not going to change. I think some of it has to be on you, quite frankly. And the hobby seems to rally around protecting the people who don't make uh, make decisions for themselves and don't feel or, or don't take accountability for their own actions. Um, and, but I do like what you said that watching some influencers or just watching some content is your research. That is you trying to inform yourself on where the hobby's at. That said, you need to be skeptical with anything that you're listening to or reading. You know you. You, you look at analysts in, in the equity markets. I mean, they get paid. They get paid to write their reports. So, you know, you, you have to take everything you hear with a grain of salt out there because nobody knows. And there was a comment. There's a comment. This one's uh, really good here from Justin. He says, influencers are good for skincare routines, not so much for making money on sports cards, which is really true because yep. there's no volatility there in in. In skincare, I mean, sports cards are based on the players and the market, and that player could have one bad game or an injury, and it could all end for them. So it it's a bit it's different. However, calling sports card influencers influencers, a lot of people just want to get there and talk about the hobby they love, you know. And you become an influencer as a consequence of going live, as a right. consequence of starting a podcast. You almost can't help become an influencer and then you're all of a sudden subject to all these rules about what you can and cannot say unless you're mike geo and you just say i'm just gonna go go out there and talk about whatever i want i'm not i don't you know i say that i say that just sure based on what we talked about earlier but i mean really and you're not the only one that does that of course but really it, it's tough i don't say it's tough but when you do have an audience and you do have a platform you all of a sudden the game changes a little bit and you have to watch what you say because otherwise you could be attacked and righteously show. So in many cases for talk, I don't want to, I'll say pumping to, for effect, you know, for pumping uh, a player, but is it always pumping? Cause I mean, I know myself, I love to talk about my cards and show them on Instagram and it could be seen as pumping because I'm putting them out there, but I'm just putting them out there and being passionate and enjoying my hobby should should we as as and I don't want to call myself an influencer, but should we as streamers, as podcasters, as informers, should we be restricted from sharing what we love in the hobby itself? No, but I think there's a reasonable balance, right? 
a good example of that too. Our first few episodes, we did a, a segment on the Ringer on our podcast called Straight Cash Homie. Jesse would say it in a goofy voice, and we would I would just find a card that week that I thought was an awesome buy. And for me, it was always like guys I grew up watching. Hey, this Kevin Garnett rookie is stupid cheap. I'm going to go buy one. Straight Cash Homie made a big thing. Well, we got contacted by some people who worked for Spotify and the Ringer, and they basically said, hey, uh, people have kind of wrote in, and it's, some of the reviews have said as much, there's a major effect to the market when when you say that. Like some of these cards that were 100 bucks, the episode would drop, they'd be $300. I'm going to be honest with you. I had no intent of trying to stir up people's an influence like that. But whether you want to or not, right, didn't go into it to do it. But at the end of the day, that's what that's what was happening. So we scrapped the we scrapped the segment. I'm not trying to pump. I'm not trying to dump influence, whatever. But it doesn't matter what your intent is. This is the reality of the situation. Okay, so let's change. But another huge thing is, yeah, if I want to show off my cards, I'm going to. Hey, I love this card. This is what I bought it for. Love. It. I'm all for openness like that. But I also want openness too. Then on the part of. And I come off like, a, like that's why the person said that comment earlier. There are times when I'll get angry and I'll tell you like, hey, this is how much I've spent or how much I have tied up in the hobby. I, don't, I, I genuinely do not say it to brag, but a person who has a net worth of X can afford to make a stupid decision on said player. But that same decision, 500 bucks to me in a card, I don't want to lose it, but if it goes to zero, okay, whatever, stinks. For some people, that's going to crush them. Like That's going to literally knock them out of the hobby. That's why I think when I say transparency from the influencer, the podcaster, whatever, it has to relate to that as well. Hey, guys, I'm comfortable with this amount because if I lose it, I'm fine. That's where the accountability comes into me, though. But nobody ever wants to talk about that side of stuff because it's like, I don't want to let people know what I'm doing type type thinking, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's even for, for myself, I've. You know, I've been posting more cards on my Instagram and every time I got to think like, is this going to be perceived as me trying to pump something or, or that? And it's, 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 it's not, it's, it's sure. about showing what I like and, and what, what I love and what I own. And, and so, you know, take it for what it's worth. If that influences some people and I've been told that it has before, that's, I, I have no issues with it. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad about because I'm influenced by others when they show a card that I wasn't aware of by people who may or may not have a YouTube show or a podcast or or what have you. You know, you can be an influencer and not be an influencer just by showing nice cards and doing it, curating a nice Instagram page. You there are influencers who aren't really influencers, if that makes any sense. So absolutely. Uh Scott Green, back to your question about uh yourself let you read that one for yourself as, like as Rick himself he loves the answers the answer go abs and I, I respect the abs being uh for the colorado avalanche scott green but yes until they play my flames and uh the abs is, are the only team that i'm really concerned about probably unjustifiably i rooted uh, for them one year jeremy ray bork who i grew up watching left he had to chase that ring yeah. i was a big abs fan that year yeah, he got his one cup in his 23rd season. Well, yep. with out, he went cup chasing and it worked. And I was very happy for him. He deserved it. He deserved it. Back to the last topic, though. Mike from Eastridge, local card shop here, buddy of mine, says people are lazy. People come into the shop all the time and ask, should I buy this card? And he'll say, do you like the player? He'll, the guy will say, I don't watch that sport. Mike <laughs> will say, then why are you wanting the card? And they'll say, I just want something I can make money on. So tell me, what should I buy? And his response is usually, I'm not a financial advisor but I suggest GICs, which is pretty good as far. So that that's a almost a reverse influencer. But see, that's and I think that's the best answer for him to give 
in his shop because otherwise you you know you that person can come back to you you know an influencer on twitter instagram wherever isn't worried about doing someone that wrong because what are they going to do come back into the shop they don't have a shop but when you own a shop that's definitely a good reason a, a good uh, answer that mike gives garrett patrick says they about influencers they just want their cards of whoever to main of whoever to maintain value and influence the market to their liking by spewing an agenda on social media i think that's I think that is the case in some cases, but it's definitely not across the board. I think some people are genuinely trying to share what they think are some good decisions. They may turn out bad, and when they, when and if they turn out bad, I agree with you, Mike. They should be responding to that and saying, "Hey, that was bad." You know, make sure you're everything I say. You know, you're making your own decisions. We're all grown-ups here. Garrett says, "Just like gambling, you always hear of the wins, but never the losses." Same goes for cards. Hey, you know, can I one quick thing on that, Garrett? We started doing TikTok again just because we were having fun with it. We have one video that has like two hundred and fifty thousand views, more than almost everything else combined, and another one has like eighty thousand. It's called Geo's Losers. I literally all I did was go through my biggest purchases. My, number one was Kevin Garnett, uh, Kevin Durant. It's worth like twenty. People enjoyed that more than anything else, which I thought was great. So I agree, though. In general, you never hear about the losses. No, no. I actually, uh, I, I have, uh, you know, I do my after hours most Saturdays and I do have a, a segment of that where it's going to be cards. I, it's not this card I lost money on. It's cards I wished I didn't sell when I sold. And I know we all have those over the last few mm -hmm. years, but I actually, when I went in, when I went a deep dive into my PWCC app and I had had some cards that they sold for me back in like 2015 and I went through and I looked at it and I was just like, oh man. Oh man, I wish I could. I wish I could not have walked up to their booth at the national that year and dumped those cards off. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep on going here. Lee Haskins says, just like stock market people who get on CNBC and talk up a stock, they never never give a history of their picks, only talk about the current pick. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Skeppy says, as markets change and the and the economy affects food, gas, rent, etc., how can collectors and investors insulate their portfolios and inventory and make better decisions to get through it. So he's talking about macroeconomic, uh, you know, events going on right now in the economy and how can we as collectors and investors mitigate our, our losses or mitigate any negative impact that interest rates and inflation are going to have. Do you have any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's done well for me, but I've also left a lot of money on the table being too conservative. I wouldn't trade it for the risk of being tied in with sports cards the majority of my money is not in sports cards, cases, whatever, and it never will be for that very reason. Um, but I, now, five years ago, had I wished every penny was in it because it was going to 20x, of course. But, yeah, I think you have to diversify. You have to be smart about things. You see these kids walking around with $150,000 worth of cars at every show they go to, and they're making car payments on interest for 12%, and they live in their parents' basement. Like, yeah, be financially responsible with your yeah. cards yep i agree yeah that's right just it's almost like a tread lightly sort of thing or just don't put all your eggs in one basket and yep. be comfortable like really when you go to invest with, with, with any any planner they take you through a whole risk assessment you need there's no one that does that in this space we need to perform our own risk assessments and just make sure we're comfortable that whatever we have tied into cardboard if the market were to fall out if the bottom were to fall out completely Make sure you're able to sustain that loss. I, I couldn't. I'd be devastated personally, but um, <laughs> but I, I have a high risk tolerance for it, I suppose. 
Brendan Ryan says good influencers are very entertaining. They're very good nice. to make fun of, at least. I agree there. <laughs> DR says, do you guys see any yellow or red lights related to the hobby in 2022 and beyond? Mike, uh, any concerns you have with the hobby? I mean, I'll be honest. I Not, not particularly. Like, we just saw a massive drop-off in pricing on singles over the past two years. We sustained a grading shutdown just about for the past two years. I think both those subjects are on the rise. I think the biggest area where I see a slowdown, and hopefully hopefully by the time they get on the field, it's different. There's zero hype, hobby hype around this NFL class. No quarterbacks that people are actually chasing. That could have a big impact on 2022 football wax. The nice thing is, material is such a backlog that Panini is going to be releasing 2021 products for the next couple of months. We're actually going to see these guys on the field by the time they come out, at least pro uniform stuff does. I think, but I do think there could be a major pullback in 2022 product if the football class is still as weak three months from today as it is right now. And the same with the basketball prospect class. We've been pretty spoiled the last three years with absolute stars. Next year, it doesn't look anywhere near as high. If you have a very weak football and basketball class at the same time, sure, I think that could impact that year's wax for sure. I, I think that could be a, a yellow light, uh, to at least something to be on the lookout for. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, for myself, I don't, I mean, I have, I my, my only concerns are based around the speed at which the market has changed over the last three years, really. Like you just mentioned, Mike, that in the last couple of years, we've seen a, a drastic decline in values, but Prior to that, we saw a way more significant increase in value. So while things right. spike, 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 they came down what you're talking about, but they're still higher than they were than from before the spike. Then we have all this new infrastructure coming in, the institutional money, the the, the, the hedge funds, and, and all these new companies that are starting up in the space. And it just makes it makes me a little bit nervous because is it too good to be true sort of thing? Is the hobby really catching up or, or not catching up? Is the hobby, see, I always thought the hobby had this potential and it proved to be true, but is it really? Or is there some risk that it's that it really is in this massive bubble and that you know people don't love cardboard as much as they claim to? Myself, I certainly do, so I don't think that's it, but I can't help but think Sometimes that, you know, while I'm very bullish on the hobby and I always have been, I've made no bones about that on this show, you know, you still in the back of your mind have some concern that is it, is it going to last? I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I was very <clears> skeptical <throat> of the Fanatics move at first. And then to me, two things. First of all, their valuation is unbelievably high. And I, in general, companies worth tens of billions of dollars don't lose money, you know, which I... Not always the case, but in general. And then the fact that they that tops move, I didn't see coming. I know everybody else saw it coming ahead of time. I guess I was one of the few who didn't. I had no clue. I thought that was great because if you're keeping the name tops around and maybe now they get to expand the basketball football, Panini, I think, is still going to be relevant. I still think we see a deal somehow between the two. So then it's not a company coming in and doing things from the ground up. It's they're simply, you know, acquiring and then building on established brands. I thought that actually put a lot of my worry to rest when that happened. And I, I, I agree. And that's where I, that's one of the reasons I'm so bullish is because you have this massive company coming into the space who, you know, I forget the exact numbers, but something like somebody has said that, you know, was, was it 
a million or two or three, maybe Luber said it, however many million people, it was under 10, bought a sports card last year, while Fanatics has 800 million people on their mailing list or their customer list. So the the potential for the hobby to blow up way more than it has blown up over the last few years is there, but is it going to happen? You know, I think, I mean, anyone I talk to is, is bullish on the hobby. I am too. So um, I think it's just, it's just maintaining a healthy level of skepticism as you are deploying your capital into cardboard. You are kind of silly if you don't have something in the back of your mind, keeping you sharp and on your game. Brendan Ryan says a healthy curiosity of others' mindsets doesn't hurt. I love that comment. A healthy yep. curiosity of others' mindsets doesn't hurt. And it may open you up to something you never thought about that actually makes good sense to you. Good evening to you, Lapper. Great to see you. Johnny F says podcasters absolutely should be able to share what they enjoy. Influencers that are fly by night need not apply. Very fair. Brendan says you are the collector's shepherd, Jeremy. All right. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> Punt Pass Click says the issue is not influencers. It's the easily influenced. Why does everyone have to make money? That's not how a real market works. You're right. And welcome to the show, Punt Pass Click. That's not how real markets work. Not everybody makes money, but everybody wants to make money. Everyone's in the, in the market to make money, in the stock market, let's say, to make money. So I, I hear what you're saying. And I think, I think that goes, that, that's what, what we have here. There were there was a time in you know late twenty the second half of twenty twenty early twenty twenty one everyone was making money and a lot of people were talking about it out loud and a lot of people were seeing other people making money and then they decided they wanted to make money and now we had all these people with the what we refer to the cases they carry around sort of thing now there's nothing wrong with that you've got to protect your cards but that's how the pelican cases were were being talked about a lot uh, any comments on this Mike. Yeah, again, I just think it's, I just disagree. I think it's both. The issue is influencers. The issue is also easily influenced people. I think, I think it, like any other issue, like any other subject, I think there's fault on both parties, quite frankly. Yeah, but yeah, well said, well said. TDOS says influencers can't trump talent. Oh, to I could not disagree. I wish that were the case, TDOT, but I, and I agree with you. But I could not disagree with that statement anymore. You give somebody who is well-known, Drake does not know anything about sports cards. I've seen him break a number of times now. I've never heard him speak intelligently about sports cards, right? Drake could influence spend in sports cards tomorrow more than anybody in the card game today. That is, an exact, that is exactly the opposite of what we're saying here. So I wish that were the case. Influencers absolutely can. No question. I agree. I hate but, it, by the way. I hate that, uh, but it's true. I mean, Jeremy, me, you, 10 other podcasters who have been in the card game for 50 years could get together and say the exact opposite. And if Drake says, go buy this product, who's going to sell more? You're you right. It, it's, it's, it really comes down to like, what level of celebrity are you? That's a sure. that's that's well past influencer, a guy like Drake, right? That's that's celebrity. But if you are, if you are talking, of, if you are, tuning in to an experienced, educated, someone you consider smart, someone whose ideas you align with, then, then I agree with the comment. Sure. Brian says, I just love showing my cards on Instagram and keep it up because I love looking at cards on Instagram. Scott Green says, Vegas wasn't built on winners. I mean, <laughs> exactly, Yep. exactly. TDOT says, everyone has a different risk profile no matter how much they make, which is very, very true. And Lee Haskins says, my cards, 
My cards and my net worth are about 15%. So I feel comfortable with that, though many financial advisors would say that's too high. I mean, to me, it's too low. Your cardboard, your, <laughs> and this is, this is, uh, I don't know. No, I'm not good. This is not advice, but I feel that you should have much more of your net worth into cardboard than 15%. Oh, but I'm not boy. telling anyone to go do that. <laughs> Okay. I tell him to lose the one. 5% is where I 5%. 5%. I'm well, I, I'm, I'm well past that. Uh, Cracked Card Co. has a, something nice to say. The YouTube content has become a festival of DK. Too many sheep <laughs> and people passing Kool-Aid. Agree. You're gonna, but you're gonna get a mix of quality in any industry, on any platform, anywhere. So welcome to the real world, Cracked Card Co. Uh, see some jokes in there. All right. Uh, uh, T-Dom says cars are susceptible to the exact same market forces as stocks. We got some, uh, some, some spam in the site for some, uh, best adult dating. Okay. We'll leave those off the screen. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, here's a good question for you, Mike. DR says, and this is back to card shop. What is the one question that was the hardest to answer when you were trying to raise funds to make the new venture strong being card shop live? Hardest to answer I, this question. That's a great question. Huh? You know, I, I, I feel bad. I, there really wasn't We've only taken money from two people. I have a, a good relationship with both, and both knew my 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 history and record. So I was pretty spoiled in the fact that there really wasn't. It was more like, hey, this is an investment in me and my brand more than anything. So, I, again, very unique situation where I was spoiled to not have to answer any. Um, I'm sure there are questions that are going to come up that are, you know. I mean, you asked a good question tonight. Something as simple as, are raw cards allowed to be sold? That's the little type of crap that keeps me up at night. Yeah. How can I raise 20 million? I'm okay. I can deal with those. I, I can put numbers on paper and make that work. But what sellers can sell raw cards? I don't have a good answer for you. I'll tell you right now. I'm the president of this corporation, whatever you, it's corporation. Don't know. I don't have a firm answer on that. Um, there are mm -hmm. little things like that where I, I, those are the type of things I actually struggle with more so than the big, you know, ideal type questions i guess that's a good question by well, dr though that's a, and that's a good sign mike because it tells me that you're paying attention to detail and the details matter to you and that's something that uh because you want to get it right you you just you want to get it right so it should keep you up at night until you figure out your, your strategy moving forward and how to deal with any negative fallout that may come from a decision that you make you always got to kind of have that ready to go dallas morrison welcome says uh this is Dallas from the Morrison Trading Post. Just tuned in. So sorry if it's been that covered. It hasn't been yet covered, uh, Dallas. Question for Mike. Do you guys plan to or already are you bringing on Canadian sellers to the new app? Uh, so not yet. It's a whole different ballgame with international sellers. And uh, it's really just that it comes down to a, uh, an accounting and a tax thing at this point. Um, it is tax totally different. We really are focusing with the accounting team and the CFO on U.S. stuff for now. Buyers are welcome. I think, as a matter of fact, Whatnot just launched. You were kind of an exception, but I think now, isn't it pretty open to Canadian sellers on Whatnot? Yeah, they've opened to, yeah, they opened to nice. Canadian sellers uh, completely now. And when I was on there, it was, it was an exception at first, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, again, hats off. Competitors, I, I shouldn't even say that, by the way. We're, we are not even a stain on the shoe yet, so we're not competitors. However, I have to say for them, that's I, good on them for figuring that out because it is not something as simple as 
clicking a button, you can allow it. There's a ton of work that goes into the back end of that to allow it. So uh, we want we want to get there, but it is not. I can guarantee it is not a question that's going to be answered in May. So is this a fair comment when T Dot says no love for the Canadians? <laughs> I'm on a Canadian. I stay up late. Jeremy knows this. I am not in clubhouse after nine o'clock because I go to bed. It's ten thirty. I'm on here talking to a Canadian guy. I love Canadians. Come on now. Who doesn't <laughs> well, like Canadians? Exactly. Ridiculous. Colin Murray. Colin Murray says raw cards are still seventy percent plus of the industry, and and you know that that's something that even at Trade Safe we're always talking about. You know how do we how do we handle raw cards because there's such and i've been a big proponent with our team about we have to do raw cards because it's a huge part of the hobby the, the very few cards are really slabbed overall so i completely agree with colin's comment there okay i'm going to scroll back up to a couple more comments we're going to wind this down mike in, a, in just a couple minutes um hobby champs says we have to learn to live with and accept influencers they're not going anywhere people are influenced yeah that, that's that, that Right back to the old days of Mad Men. I mean, it, it was just it's the way it was. Lee Haskins says, what do you say if Drake talked up Mickey Mantle? You say, you say, way to go, Drake. I mean, now you're giving some what I would consider to be good advice. Not that he's given bad advice, but I mean, that Mickey, Mickey Mantle, that's blue, as blue chip as it gets. Goes on to say, I'm certainly not preaching apathy. We need to teach people how to not be easily influenced. I think that's up to parents, not up to us. It's up to parents to teach their kids not to be easily influenced. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, obviously, you should be taught that from a young age. Um, again, I, I realistically, I don't think people learn that lesson, sadly. So that's, again, that's kind of the the reason I'm as vocal as I am at some points, because I'm never, we're never going to be rid of influencers. But if that's the case, you're never going to be rid of me calling people out and being very specific and trying to rip people when I think they deserve it. So... You know, I think you need opposing voices. T dot says to be influenceable is to be human. Yeah, I mean, we that's why advertising and marketing exist. That's why there's commercials, that's why there's billboards, that's why there's everything out there. So sure. well said. Joe Perot says, having observed Mike as a moderator at the mint, I wonder if Mike has any thoughts on balancing the asking of hard questions with creating a welcoming vibe with his guests. He's really good at it. Yeah, I've told you this, Jeremy. I could not do what you do. The long form interview, uh, I think, really takes discipline to do. I, I just, I, it's, it's not something I excel at. Your interviewing skills, especially when you have a guest like me, I think I probably am a little more outspoken. The fact that you're able to just sit there and continue, you steer the conversation. I'm impressed. That is a talent I do not have, uh, Joe. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I have done that the, the few times I've had to. It's more for self-preservation than anything. There's guys who are on that panel who I would love to absolutely rip apart. I have to balance the fact that I now have multiple families relying on, on our business for income. As much as I'd like to do that, I really can't. I, I try to create a welcoming vibe. I To me, it comes across as, as fake. You know, because I, I, I know I'm not being entirely genuine. So I, I've always struggled with that. Um, that's why, like I said, I couldn't do what Jeremy does. No chance. All right. I'll take that's that a compliment. compliment. See, love I'll for Canadians. There you I go. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. Uh, Punt Pass Click said, if you spend a few minutes looking at all the newbie content that is out there, people are lazy and don't want to put in the time to learn before they earn. Hey, people are always looking for shortcuts. There's no doubt about it. And if you can leverage the hard work other people have put into your benefit, yep. I mean, why not, right? That's why you 
I guess why you get advice from professionals in, in lots of areas. That said, this is not a, an, this is not an, uh, an area filled with professionals. It's, it's well, not with externally anointed professionals. These are self-appointed professionals that are giving a lot of advice in the hobby. Uh, CC says, Gio, you seem like a straight shooter. Good luck with the new venture. Very nice, CC. And, uh, oh, thank you for that, T-Dot. Really appreciate that comment. I see you guys all think that uh, Drake does know who Mickey Mantle is. Of course, <laughs> he knows who Mickey Mantle is. Scott Green, appreciate that. Sports Cars Live rocks. T-Dot says he's a great guest, great at guest audience balance. Yeah, I do try to do my best at that. Thanks, guys, for appreciating it and noticing it. <clears throat> all right. Justin Vick, I got to read that. I nominate Mike as sports card czar for America and Jeremy as sports card czar for Canada. Yeah, very nice, Justin. Appreciate that that uh, vote of confidence. Okay, Mike, let's. Uh, I got. I got. The comments are still coming in, guys. Thank you, everybody uh, in the chat for the engagement. Great comments tonight. Really do appreciate them. But uh, Mike, we're at an hour thirty-six. I'm going to come back on live for a more open discussion in about uh, 10 minutes on my after hour show everybody I'm going to open up a box of upper deck hockey series one I'm going to actually share my screen and show you all the cards that I have that I gave to PWCC in Edmonton two weeks ago that have been curated into the vault and I've actually already put them in or you know scheduled them to go into their next weekly uh, auction I'm going to show you guys those cards and talk about why I'm letting them go and uh, have some open Q&A so uh, feel free to join that. Mike, uh, this has been awesome, man. I, as I told you, I've been really looking forward to having you on. I enjoy your company. I had a great time meeting you at the Mint back in March. So thank you for joining. I know you're busy. you got a big week ahead. Good luck with the launch. And uh, yeah, final comments to you, and then we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. Uh, I would come back anytime. And like I told Jesse, we, I would like to have you on our podcast. We get questions and, and comments about hockey all the time and i have no knowledge so i think you could be a a valuable guest to kind of actually offer some some uh hockey talk so i would like to make that happen in may for sure uh, yeah so i would uh, I'd be, be honored I, i'd love to i appreciate the invitation greatly appreciate that and i uh, would be honored to to do that all right with that everybody uh the lot the card shop live app goes live on the app stores may the 4th be sure to go in and download that everybody Come join me on After Hours. I'm going to go live in about seven minutes or so. Look forward to seeing you there. Have If I don't see you then, tomorrow night on Collectible Live on the Collectible TV YouTube channel, my guest will be Leighton Sheldon of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks, another great personality in the hobby. Be, feel free to come join us there tomorrow. But if not, have a great week ahead. We'll see you back here next week. Mike, thanks again. Hang tight one second. Everybody else, hope to see you on After Hours in about five minutes. <laughs>